Hey friends, and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Moment. It's that time of year where we start to see the store shelves lined with school supplies, backpacks, and lunch boxes. That's right, the new school year is almost here. Or perhaps for some of you listening, it may have even already started. But on this episode, we'll talk about more than just notebooks and pencils. We're talking all about the mission field of teaching. We are excited to welcome my friend and fellow teacher, Ashton Langley, who will join us for this conversation as we talk about the challenges that many teachers face, how we can pray for and support them, and how the field of teaching is a mission field with unending opportunities for serving God. As always, we are so glad that you're here, friends, and welcome to Beyond the Moment. Hi, friends. I'm Rebecca Lindhout. And I'm Amanda Martinson, and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Moment. Friends, we are so glad that you are back with us this week, as I think we're talking about something that is really, really important. And I almost wanted to present you with a um, bouquet of freshly sharpened pencils in honor of what we're talking about today. Do you remember that in You Got Mail when when she talks about, have you seen that movie? Do you know what I'm talking about? You Got Mail? Yes. Tom Hanks. Yeah. Meg she, Ryan before yeah. the loop. Okay. You were looking at me like, what are, what are you doing? Trying to think, (laughs) look, that's how I look at most people. Josie told me like three things after VBS last night. And she's like, mom, why are you mad? And I said, I'm just trying to think, I'm just trying to place it. I'm like, it's hard. It hurts. Well, in honor of today's topic, I almost was like, I should have brought us all, uh, presented us all with a bouquet of fresh sharp pencils, because this is the time of year where we start seeing school supplies come out. Um, regardless of whether you have a kid in school or a teacher, I feel like school supplies are exciting. I get excited about school supplies being out. And I mean, I don't really need school supplies anymore, but who doesn't love a new pack of pens? I mean, I'm like the grumpy old old man, you know, or like, I'm like the grumpy old mom. I don't even know what's wrong with me with school supplies, but I'm like, you can use that again. (laughs) That was perfectly good at the end of the year. You can use that half glue stick. It'll be fine. (laughs) There's children that are starving that need glue sticks. <laughs> uh, no, I love it. I love, I love when I start to see the folders come out. It's like, I don't know what it is. The, the smell of a fresh notebook, like all the things, like it's, it's so, it's so exciting. Like it's, I'm the kid that mom was like literally dragging out of the pool and saying, go to school. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I yeah. know I did love school. I, I, I have always loved school and I have always been a nerd. Um, because I think I, I just, I'm going to own it hands, hands down. Um, I try to be a people pleaser. I do, you know, Jesus first, but you know, I want everybody to be happy. So, um, I was, I was always that, that kid who was, I was not a brown noser, but I, I tried to, I tried to do it right. You know, you enjoyed school. Yeah. I enjoyed, I enjoyed school. It right. Yeah. I enjoyed school. I love school. I mean, I loved it all lunch recess. I didn't love the homework. That's the one part I didn't love, but you know, I mean like, but generally I really did enjoy school when I was in it. I mean, I wasn't like rushing to go back necessarily. I like my summertime, you know, like, like you were saying, I mean, you like to like to have your time, but it, there's something about starting a new school year. And I feel like this is, we're at that time where we're getting ready to start. Some, some schools actually have started back, but, you know, for those who have year round and things like that probably have already started back at this point, but we are getting to the point where it is almost time for a new school year. So we were talking and thought, what better way to talk about being on a mission field than the mission field of teaching? And I know you have a background in teaching. I'll tell you something funny about me in a minute about (laughs) teaching. 
but we thought, why not talk to a teacher and see what it is? How can we support teachers? You know, why is teaching such a mission field and what does that look like on a day-to-day basis? So we brought in a very special guest today um, and she's very special to me because she's my, one of my dear friends, um, Ashton Langley. And uh, we wanted to bring Ashton on to talk about the mission field of teaching. So Ashton, welcome to this um, crazy pants of a show. Thank you. I'm excited that you guys asked me to come. I do um, want because I am not that person who's going to let anybody get by with anything. Um, previously, before we restarted this recording, um, Amanda called you our special, special guest. <laughs> and so I think eliminating the extra special is, is unfair because I feel that you uh, are special, special as well. So um, yeah. anybody who's a teacher. Thank is, you. <laughs> yes, thank you for that. Listen, uh, you folks won't hear that part because that will be... Um, <laughs> edited out but you know we keep saying we're going to do a blooper reel one of these days so you guys can actually hear all the fun things that go on behind the scenes as we start and end recordings but um but you are um I feel like I have I mean I am blessed to have a lot of wonderful teachers in my life a lot of you know great friends who have who are wonderful teachers um but when we were thinking about this episode I thought you are just the perfect person to talk about uh this with because you know for years and years, I have heard you talk about that teaching for you is your mission field. And so I thought, what a better time of year to bring some, to, to bring you on and to bring someone on who, who really understands, you know, what teaching is as a mission field. And so um, tell the listeners a little bit about you as much as you want to share. And um, you just kind of tell them a little bit about uh, maybe what grades you teach and kind of your background and all that kind of stuff. Awesome. Okay. So my name is Ashton Langley. Um, a little bit about me. I am married to my lifelong best friend. Uh, his name is Dustin and we're actually about to celebrate our eighth wedding anniversary, um, in it's August, so crazy. at the beginning of August. I know, I know it's crazy how time flies. Um, but from that wonderful marriage, we have, um, two beautiful children that I'm absolutely obsessed with. Um, so I have a son named Matthew who is three years old. Um, and then our baby Rachel just turned one in April. Uh, as far as education goes, I am going into my ninth year of teaching. It's kind of crazy to think about that as well. Like, like, oh my goodness, where did all the years go? Um, but I have taught for eight years. Um, and the first seven years were in the public school system. This past year, I did switch and go to a private Christian school, which is where my children um, go to daycare at as well. So I've been able to kind of see both sides of the coin um, with the pu- public and private um, parts of education. That's awesome. That, that was the other reason why I thought you'd be such a great person to talk to about this because you really have seen um, education from a lot of different standpoints. And so I'm super glad and thankful that you're taking time to, to talk with us and, and give us your experience. Now, Becca, you were a elementary school teacher how many years ago? Oh, like around the time fire was invented. <laughs> um, let me see. Um, I mean, it was, it was several years ago because I was a children's minister for 12 years, almost 13. And, and so I taught for, uh, three and a half, four years before that. And what grades did you teach when you taught? I taught, um, I have taught, let me go back. Kindergarten, (laughs) uh, kindergarten, I did some fill-ins, uh, before at 
when I was in seminary to help school years get started off for classrooms that didn't have uh, teachers. So I did that twice. And then I taught um, fifth grade and I taught second grade. Awesome. Ashton, have I ever told you that I went into, when I went into college, I went in with an elementary education major. Do you know this about me? Have I told you that? I remember you saying that before. Yeah. And do you know how quickly I changed that major? (laughs) (laughs) Didn't stick around. (laughs) I went in, I think I lasted one semester. I looked at that coursework and that fast schedule and I was like, is this what the Lord has planned for me? (laughs) Um, But I've always loved aspects of teaching and I you know some of that is just kind of you know part of what I get to do now which is great but I I just I feel like teachers have such a special uh role and and mission and that was just uh, I was like you know I don't know that this is going to be uh you know what the Lord has planned for me and then I geared and went towards social work which was more of a fit but um I just think it's funny when I think back on that because I'm like I wonder what that would have you know how would that have panned out you know (laughs) probably not well (laughs) probably perfectly no. Uh, yeah. I don't I don't know that I have the the creativity that y'all have because y'all like both of you I can attest to being like really really creative and all the things that you do so <laughs> uh, nervous yeah. breakdown in the back of the cl- classroom <laughs> with your um fruit smelling markers just yes, yes, in the yes. back perhaps that that's it it happens to the best gone. of us <laughs> well Ashton I thought we would do just some conversation around this and and talk about what the mission field of teaching looks like and so I'm curious um, as we go through this like you know I mean I, I jokingly say that I went I went in uh you know having that calling to be a teacher and kind of shifted but but you really had that calling. And so um, what made you go into teaching or what made you kind of know that like, this is what God has called me to do? So um, I actually used to have a student who will tell you even to this day that she wants to be a teacher when she grows up because she wants to be the boss of everybody. And I love that energy. And I'm like, yes, girl. Okay. I feel you, but that was not my driving force necessarily. Um, but I did, I did feel, um, the calling from a young age. Um, and actually my sister is eight years younger than me. And I distinctly remember when she was a baby, um, I had a, a poster hanging. I say a poster. It was a piece of paper that I printed out from our desktop computer. Um, but it was, it said, uh, miss blues classroom. And it had a big yellow smiley face before emojis were a thing. Um, and you know, that was me being eight, nine years old. Um, I've just always really wanted to be a teacher. Um, and luckily I've had a lot of really awesome opportunities that have helped me to get to where I am and have really helped me to kind of fine tune this thing. Um, you know, I can think back and honestly, I can count on one hand and not even have to use all my fingers on that one hand of how many teachers I didn't really click with or um, that I didn't think were the best. Um, All that to say, you know, the teachers I had growing up were amazing. I've just had really, really amazing teachers who have inspired me, who have pushed me to be a better person. Um, So that, that started me off on a really good path. Um, And then whenever I was starting to think about college, I applied to be a North Carolina teaching fellow. That was before that program was cut. um, And I was awarded that scholarship and was able to be part of that cohort that that really gave me so many experiences that were just priceless. Um, I had the chance to work with so many teachers and to be mentored by so many people that um, have pushed me to 
really understand why we do what we do and to um, a lot of them who also have helped me look at it as a mission field and seeing that um, some days, you know, you're going to have kids who come in and they're not going to learn anything from you. They're going to need you to give them a hug, give them a granola bar and mm-hmm. send them on their way, you know, um, but they have really influenced me and helped lead me to where I am now. Um, so, you know, I don't know if that really answers the question of why yeah. did I go into it? I just, I've always felt that calling. Um, and <laughs> I always tell my students at the beginning of the year, when we're kind of doing like a getting to know you. Um, that growing up, I either wanted to be a teacher or an astronaut. And then I tell them, you know, I get motion sick, way too easy, 30 minute car ride, I'm done. Um, So, you know, the whole space shuttle wouldn't have worked out very well. Um, And then to kind of like read the room and to get a gauge of like the new class that I have, I will say, um, but either way, you know, whether I was a teacher or an astronaut, I still get to work with aliens (laughs) And that really helps me to like fill out the class. Like if the whole class busts out laughing, I'm like, okay, yep. Like they're going to get, they're going to get me. Um, and my really lame jokes, if it's just a couple, I'm like, okay, those couple, they're now my hype kids. Um, (laughs) but, um, I really, you know, as long as I can remember, it's just, it's what I have felt God calling me to do. I love that. I love that so much. Like, it's so funny that even you said that in the beginning, because I say, and you know, Georgia has always said she wants to be a teacher. That's been her thing. And the funny thing is that that the reason when she says that is she's like, so I can, so I can be in charge and send people to the, to the principal's office, you know, like, I mean, it's so funny, but I do think it is interesting to look at teachers and and not all teachers are like this surely, but I, I do think it's interesting. The ones that I do know felt that calling from such a young age, just, you know, and maybe we're presented with opportunities or different ways to do that role. But um, it's interesting just just to look at having that calling from such, you know, from such a young age and, and feeling like that that's what, um, you know, God's given you those opportunities to do. If playing school is the beginning of a call, then Lord help us with Josie and Phoebe <laughs> and especially Phoebe and my, my niece, Allie, they play school all the time. And it's, and, and Allie sets the stage. She is the master and commander of the ship and someone has to be the good student and someone has to be the bad student. (laughs) And at all times she has the right to send someone out of the classroom. And then they have a real tough conversation about choices. Like, (laughs) and I mean, like, this is like, I, I, I feel bad for the kid that's playing the part and they're just acting. I'm like, gosh, you just got blessed out. So yeah. Yeah. If you ever want to hear what you sound like, just listen to your kids while they're playing. Same thing happens in my classroom. Like they will play with our whiteboards and stuff. And I'm like, okay, now I know how I sound and tomorrow we're going to be different. No, <laughs> it's like the great way they keep you humble. Like, <laughs> Well, I like, I love that so much. And I'm curious, like, I know that you love so much about teaching because I've, I've known you and I've known your passion for this for a long time, but um, if you had to pick just maybe a few things or what, what are some of the things that you just love about teaching? So honestly, it really is about the kids. Um, I've been in this long enough now that I have students that were in my first ever class who are now in high school and driving and working. And like, I go through the drive-through and they're hanging out the window. Hey, Ms. Langley. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you're not old enough to be serving me French fries right now. Um, (laughs) But they really are just growing into such amazing young men and women. 
And it's been really awesome to maintain those relationships with so many of them and with their families um, and just watching them grow up um, because the relationships that are built in those, those times when we're together in the classroom, they're just priceless. Um, I actually had a student come up to me a couple of weeks ago and she just kind of like stood there, kind of timidly looked at me and she was like, do you know who I am? And I looked at her and I was like, Bailey, how could I ever forget you? And just like her entire face lit up that I remembered her name, knew who she was. Um, she gave me the biggest hug. And, you know, it's just moments like those where you realize you're forever part of each other's stories. Um, the good days, the bad days, everything. Um, you're part of each other's stories. And, you know, God really, he made us for relationships. And to be able to spend that much time with kids day in and day out, um, you know, in that space, it's just, it's perfect for building relationships. Even hearing you talk about that, it's so true. Like, and you mentioned even this in the beginning, but you know, we all have those teachers that just had such an influence on us that we, we remember them. We, um, they had such an impact on us in one way or the other. Like I can, I can look back on, you know, elementary, middle and high school teachers that, that just had such an impact. And I know that you are that for your students as well. You know, like it just, it makes such a difference when, um, when you are able to build that relationship. And I love that. And I want to talk to you about this because I know that you, you do this um, with your kids where you do this really cool thing where you have your kids come up with a mission statement for your class. Like, I would love for you to talk about that because I think that's such a neat idea. And it, and it really goes back to what you're talking about, about building those relationships. Cause, and so talk about like what the goal of that is and why you do that with your students. Cause I think that is such a cool idea. Um, at the beginning of the year, I, spend those first few days and couple of weeks, you know, kind of setting boundaries and stuff within our room. But I never say these are our class rules. Those are just not words that come out of my mouth. Um, we don't, we don't have a, you know, poster with rules written anywhere in the classroom. Um, we spend time at the beginning of the year, those first couple of days talking about what it looks like to be a classroom family. And that's what I always start with um, is by talking about how with your family, you know, you always have family members that sometimes you might not like them very much, but you always love them. Mm -hmm. And to love someone looks a certain way. Um, and so we, we talk about what it would look like to love somebody in a certain situation, even if they're not being kind to you, what it would look like to love them. Um, if they are being kind to you, what it would look like to love them and how you would want to be loved in return. And so we always spend time just talking about being a classroom family and how even on the days when we're getting on each other's nerves, because it's going to happen being in a small space together that much with that much time, uh, what that looks like to just treat each other respectfully. And so after the first few days, we do come up with a mission statement. And uh, after we do like our pledges and go through the morning calendar and stuff like that, we always stand up and say our classroom mission statement together. Um, like this past year, uh, it was in this, in our class family, we will be kind, we will be respectful, and we will do our best to live like Jesus. Um, and that was our mission statement that we said every single day, because then whenever things happened, we could usually, whatever our mission statement is, we can usually pin the um, behaviors back to something within our mission statement. Were you being kind? Were you being respectful to people? Is that how Jesus would have handled that situation? And being at a Christian school this year, 
um, we were able to have more of those conversations. But even in the public school, uh, we had mission statements and we could always tie it back to, was that upholding what we said we were going to do? Is that keeping those promises to each other? So that has been a really great way um, for us to kind of set that tone for our classroom without it just being like, these are my rules and you're going to follow them. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a great idea. I mean, and like you said, it, it's going, um, you were able to do that even in the public school, you know, I know you have a little bit more leeway now that you're in, in, in a Christian environment, but even doing that within the public school, I feel like it's so, so special and so helpful for those students. I think that's so um, different than how, uh, when I went into to education, um, the first thing that they did at teacher orientation was hand you this book about the 25 rules <laughs> of teaching, you know, and it was literally 25, this guy, I guess he was a phenomenal teacher, but I think he had 20, 20, there were 25 rules. And like, I think at one, one year I tried 25 rules and like the rules were like super simple. Some of them like don't eat Doritos in my classroom. <laughs> that should never be a rule ever anywhere. That's a terrible rule. <laughs> Doritos are amazing. Rule. Because then like, like when I'm, when you're leaning over a kid, helping them on up paper, you do not want to have Dorito breath breathed on you. So I like be respectful, be responsible, be like Jesus and don't eat Doritos in my classroom. But <laughs> like, I feel like that should always be the unspoken, unspoken fourth rule role <laughs> you established that at the beginning of the year but you know there is uh, some kids do come in uh, to the classroom with this feeling that that school is a place of uh, not just rules but a place of penalties and many of them have lived that out and I think within my daughter's uh, years in the classroom now Josie you know has is in seventh grade and Phoebe's in the second um, the classrooms that they loved and learned the most from are the ones that established upfront that the students were all loved. And you could feel that love just exuding. And, um, and so those were the, those were the classrooms where, where my kids have excelled when they felt like no matter where I land with my education, if I, if I learned these letters, numbers, ABCs or algebra, um, no matter all of that, I'm still loved. And, um, and I think that is uh, teachers like you um, established that from the go. You know, I was just thinking too, as, as you were talking, Becca, um, I mean, teaching has been a difficult, like I've, like I know personally, I don't know personally, but I know teaching has been such a, a difficult field for so long. Anyway, there's been so many obstacles, so many things um, that teachers, so many challenges really that teachers have to face, but you add on the last two years of, of just teaching through a pandemic and virtual school and, you know, not having resources that they, you know, would needed. And just, I mean, challenges within the home. I mean, and, and then just personally, I mean, I feel like just, I mean, everyone's mental health, but teachers mental health. I mean, I, I feel like that has just been so heavy. And so, I'm wondering, you know, what teaching looks like now that you've taught through a pandemic, really? And like, you know, how did that change your, like, you know, teaching? What, what was that like to experience that as a teacher teaching through one of the most difficult times that any of us have, have gone through? That's a heavy question, I know. but <laughs> That is a heavy question, but it's been a 
heavy couple of years, like you said, um, it was the craziest thing. March 13th, when we literally got an email in the morning and we're like, Hey, you know, pack up some stuff, send their books home with them. Um, we don't know when we'll be back in the classroom. So just send enough stuff for a couple of weeks. And so I hugged my kids goodbye that day. And then they literally never stepped foot in my classroom again. And I was not expecting that. I did not know that was going to happen because, you know, the whole thing was, Oh, two weeks, two weeks Mm -hmm. tops. And so, um, you know, we did the best we could. We, you know, set up from home and we tried to get the kids to log on. Some of them would, some of them wouldn't, some of them were in their pajamas. I had one who loved to sleep while he was there. I mean, it was like, you know, I guess the Charlie Brown teacher voice, like maybe just that, like maybe that just is what he needed to help him sleep good. So he got his good sleep during my class. No, but, um, it was, is very hard. And, you know, for so long, we're like less screen time. You don't need to be on, you know, your video games all day long and, um, stop watching so much TV. And then all of a sudden we're like, here, sit Mm -hmm. on your computer all day and interact with your peers, interact with your teacher, and then learn something, Mm -hmm. you know, learn something as you're sitting there. And so we sit there for hours because again, we're all figuring this out. And so we still were doing full school days, hours of instruction every single day. And so when we would have those breaks, you know, we had a system on our computers where we could see their school Chromebooks. If they were on a Chromebook, we could see their screens and what they were doing. And during our breaks, they weren't getting up and going outside or, you know, going and, um, interacting with their siblings or anything like that, they were playing games on their computers. Mm -hmm. So they literally were on computer screens all day long Mm -hmm. with no break from that. And even now, um, this past year was the most normal year since before COVID, Mm -hmm. um, that we possibly could have had. And the first half of the year, I barely let my kids even touch the computers. It was like, I almost like drew away from that because I was so over it. And I was like, this is not good for them. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's so many amazing digital resources that we finally kind of tiptoed our way back into that towards the end of the year. But if you give them the option, they're going to be on a screen. That's Mm -hmm. what they feel comfortable with. And especially some of these younger kids that they really don't remember what education looked like before 2020, it's hard to get back to that place of normalcy when they are the bulk of what you're doing and they don't remember what normal for you was. Right. So it's, um, I don't know if that even answers your question. I don't remember what the question was, Yeah. but no, (laughs) no, that's it. It's definitely heavy. Yeah. I mean, it's so, and I remember, you know, and this is why I say like, to me, teachers are just some of the most resilient people because I go back to that, um, you know, like August, 2020, when, you know, school year would have you know started back and everyone was virtual. And I just remember that first day. Um, and that was, you know, that was Georgia's uh, first day of kindergarten. So she started off in a, you know, in a virtual school and, mm-hmm. and, you know, like you said, I mean, them not even remembering what it was like, you know, to have school, you know, pre COVID era and what that looks like. But I remember, um, you know, her teacher was just so kind, so calm, so like just on the outside, I just had it together. I know on the inside was probably not feeling like that because everything technical that, you know, could go wrong did the, you know, school lost internet. So the teachers weren't able to, you know, be on. And I mean, she hopped on her personal cell phone to, to do her class. And I just remember thinking like, 
like that is, this shouldn't be happening. And yet here, here she is just so cool, calm and collected in front of them. We're so excited. We're going to have this great year. And I just remember thinking like, that is such resiliency, you know, in this career field to be able to have this chaos just swirling around you. And I feel like you guys have that even before, you know, COVID hit, you're, you're used to having this chaos kind of swirl around you. And yet in front of your kids, you just have this magic about you of like, you know, we're here, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to make learning fun. We're still going to do this and you're going to have a great experience. And I just remember thinking like, that is a, such a skill and talent that, um, that teachers have to be able to withstand not only personally having this chaos happen around them, um, but then like, you, you know, just, but then still exuding that love that Becca was talking about, that warmness, that like just passion for what they do, you know? And I know that um, it's all, often kind of a joke about how much money a, a teacher puts back into their classroom. And I think people envision us putting our money or teachers putting their money back like into pencils and things like that. But I think um, going online into the children's homes, um, you really got a glimpse, at least I did through Josie's classroom, of the living conditions some of these kids are, are in and just the hectic, loud, um, come, sometimes hostile environment that they're in and some of them poverty. And I know that as, as a teacher, that's one of the things that I felt like I was almost like a watchdog for how the, the children, when they came in the classroom, you know, I was watching to see their attitudes to start the day, but I was also looking for, for their, their physical health and their mental health. And, um, and you, sometimes that money goes right into giving things to your student that you know that they need period just for life um you know like sometimes it's sending a pack of underwear home in their in their book bag because you know that this kid came to school without underwear you know for like a week um and so i think online school also opened that portal into their homes not like in a big brother way but in a way of wow how much more the even more so compassionate do teachers need to be now that you've seen what these where these kids are coming from. Yes, at the end of that 2019-2020 year, um, when the world kind of shut down, at the very end of the year, since the kids never got to come back to school, um, my co-teacher and I went around, we spent like a week because it took that long to get all over the county to all of our kids' houses. But um, we went to every single one of our students' houses and we delivered like end of the year gifts and we just waved at them from the, the car. And actually my sister dressed up in our school mascot costume and she was, um, we took my husband's truck. And so she was in the back of the truck and we would blast the music and she was dancing. And the funny thing is like the kids didn't know it was my sister. They assumed it was our principal. So I was like, yeah, we got the principal back there dancing in the mascot costume, but they, um, we really got to see where they came from and um, some of their houses I've driven by so many times and never knew that they lived there. And it scares me for them and some of the, um, just the regions that they live in and what I know goes on in certain places. And so every time I drive through those areas now, I think about those specific kids, I pray for them and their safety and their well being. Um, and like you said, you just, um, sometimes you end up giving back to those kids, not just pencils and stuff. I had a student 
a couple of years ago who would come in telling us about different things she had going on, but her family was very much against accepting any kind of help. And, you know, understandably, you know, they didn't want to seem like they couldn't provide for their kids and stuff like that. And so she came in one day and was telling us a story about how um, their beds had bed bugs and they had to get rid of them and they'd been sleeping on the floor and they didn't have blankets and things like that. And so, you know, knowing that this family wouldn't accept help, we got some a couple of bedding items, like, you know, how Walmart has those rolled blankets that are like $5 or whatever. We went and got a few of those and she earned prize box that next day. And she got to go pick out what she wanted from prize box. And, you know, if it was something in that manner, she was able to take it home and her parents were more, more open to it. But those are the kinds of things that I think a lot of people, unless you've been in the situation, they don't realize stuff like that happens Mm -hmm. and they don't realize how much teachers do try to pour into their kids more than just the academics. Um, and they're, those are the hard situations that, you know, they stick with you. You always remember that you always wonder how those kids are doing and just praying that they're okay. And that things have turned around for them in life. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's hard. And that makes me think too, Ashton, as you're talking like, and I, that's got to be one of the more challenging pieces, um, of teaching, I would imagine. What What are some other things? Because I feel like that that would be that's something that, like you said, you just you just don't not think about those things. And and you all really are on on the front lines, you know, with those kids in and who are in different situations and connecting them to other resources and things like that. What are some other things? I know there's I know there can be a lot, but what are some other things um, that you would say just as a teacher? Like these are really challenging things that that you deal with. Well, I feel like um, anybody who has paid attention to anything that has happened at all in the last couple of years regarding education knows that we're at a very critical time right now. And I really, I've had several conversations with people in the last few weeks, even where I've just said, I really feel like education is about to just have a major upheaval. And I don't know what that looks like. But I think in some ways it's needed and in some ways it's going to be a good thing, but the growing pains that are going to go along with that are going to literally rock our world. I feel like, um, in the education world. And I, I feel like it's just a matter of time before it happens. Um, because on a large scale, unfortunately, education is very political. Um, it's a very political space and it shouldn't necessarily be that. But there are so many people who are stakeholders, like parents and administrators and, you know, people who give money to education system. They are stakeholders. They have a say so. But then there's also a lot of people who feel like they should be stakeholders. um, And everybody just wants to throw in their two cents about how things (laughs) should be. Um, What's that saying? Opinions are like elbows. Yeah, everybody's Um, got them. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the thing, like, that's the problem when everybody starts throwing their opinions out there, it's kind of like throwing elbows and people are going to get offended and people are going to get hurt. And, you know, someone somewhere is going to be unhappy about something. Um, it's never just about education and what's best for the kids. Somebody always has something else, some other agenda Mm -hmm. item that they're trying to, um, pass over. Um, but also, you know, there's no one easy fix. It's not a one size fits all ever with education. Um, but I mean, that's also in the classroom, there's not going to be the perfect lesson plan that reaches every student at the same time on the same day. 
and gets them to the same point of learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so on a small scale, it's, it's never going to be like that. And I feel like that's kind of where we are on a bigger scale with education right now too. Um, you know, where teachers have to be so fluid in their approaches and mm-hmm. our styles in the classroom. Um, so on the larger scale, I feel like society, people just have to realize it's not going to be an easy fix. And yes, money is going to play into that. Um, the resources that's going to play into that. But if you've ever met a teacher, you know, that that's going to be one of the most resourceful people you've ever met because they will take nothing and turn it into something. That's just like a, like an extra gift that God, I feel like has given educators, um, which is really cool. Um, but you know, there's just always so many moving parts. And I, I really do feel like we're on the edge of something big, big mm-hmm. for education. So I'm just interested to see how all of that plays out in the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, but on a smaller scale of challenges, um, you know, we've, we've got, we've got a lot yeah. of challenges, but <laughs> maybe say, like, yeah, that's, that's yeah. pretty heavy. I knew when I was going to um, ask you that I was like, listen, there are so like, <laughs> do a whole episode just on that probably. I know, I know. Um, but maybe like on a smaller scale, um, children have changed and, you know, we kind of talked about this already, but just how their involvement with technology has completely changed. And actually when I was in college, I did my thesis on, um, technology in the classroom and how it affects children's brains. And, even just the amount of time that students spend on screens, um, kids, not even call them students, the amount of time that kids spend on screens at an early age, it affects their brain development. Um, and there is research that, that shows that. And, um, so now we have kids who, instead of planning play dates and stuff for the weekends or sleepovers, um, they're, connecting with each other on their gaming systems when they go home and they're talking through their cell phones or through Snapchat or whatever. And they have all of this technology, right? They're accessible to them. And honestly, behavior and just general demeanor of children, it's changed. Mm -hmm. And I can't explain it, but I've had so many conversations, even with um, administration in our school of how this is across the board. It wasn't just my classroom this past year or just another person's classroom. It is across the board that we're seeing major behavior things Mm -hmm. where kids are having these outbursts and they aren't able to regulate their emotions and verbalize what they're thinking. Um, And it's easier for them to just detach and go cool down by playing a game on an iPad. And it's, it's the weirdest thing. Um, But I said this was going to be smaller scale. That is not small scale (laughs) now that I'm sitting here listening to myself. Um, But just how to function in a normal school environment and how to get along in socially acceptable ways and how to manage through some of these emotions, these really big emotions that we're feeling in our really little bodies. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. the entire school culture has changed since COVID. And so, you know, that has been for me personally, and I know a lot of my, um, peers as well, that has just been a really big struggle, Mm -hmm. but connecting with the families and trying to, um, come up with solutions that work for all of us, um, Mm -hmm. and being able to kind of have that united front has made it easier, but that is definitely a challenge right now. 
And I think maybe that is one of the missions of, of a parent is um, to help your, your mm-hmm. kid disconnect. Um, it's, it's a challenge. I face it in my, in my own home because my girls, that's what they want. It's like, a, it's like a drug, you know, mm-hmm. really. And like, sometimes school can be just what you have to go through to get to the end of the day. So you can go play on the computer again. Um, but one resource that you, your classroom might like that, that I have, that I got for Phoebe to kind of help her think through technology is this book called I am a couch potato. And, um, and it's about a potato and he's not any potato. I have to read it in a British accent. I'm not just any <laughs> potato. I'm a couch potato. Of course you do. <laughs> and, and the thing about the book is that that is what the couch potato does. He has everything he needs right there it, at, on his couch, including all of his friends. And then the power goes out and the couch potato doesn't know what to do. Mm. And so he goes outside and he's like, ah, you know, my eyes, <laughs> you know, and he meets his friends in the park. And, you know, by the end of it, you know, he realizes that he needs a healthy balance of both. Um, but I do think that it, that it also makes it harder within, with, with teaching because the kids don't have the attention span. You have to, teachers have to completely change up how they're presenting so much more rapidly than even when I was teaching, because that's the pace that kids are interacting with technology. And, um, but one thing that I did notice, I don't know if you did Ashton, um, I was really fearful as a parent um, that based on the conversations that were being had in those spheres of influence, that they believed that the way that that they could handle the teaching shortage would be to have a a, a proxy teacher, you know, that is in one classroom and another classroom watches that same teacher and, 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 and has an assistant that goes around and helps. And I think after COVID and, and seeing, um, the need for that actual interaction of a teacher within the homes. I, I don't feel like our, our nation is going to head in that direction any longer. I sure hope not. That is a terrible idea. <laughs> um, I, but you definitely, you need that interaction and just sitting on a computer. I mean, think about yourself. Like if yeah. you're sitting there working on some kind of project, um, you know, doing something on your computer after a little while, you're like, man, I need to get up and stretch. And as an adult, you're able to, you know, kind of reason through some of those things. Kids aren't They're, right. you know, they don't realize when their body starts to hurt a little bit, that it's because they've been sitting in the same position for hours on end. Um, and I, even with my three-year-old, um, his new favorite thing is going to our, um, County library. And this last time we went, he discovered that they have iPads and, um, kids computer set up and he can play games on them. And I'm like, Oh, good gracious. Because this was this wonderful experience right. we had and going all of these books, all these oh. books. Yeah. And then, Oh mom, there's an iPad and I can touch it by myself. And I'm like, Oh yes, you can. So, you know, it's, it's there from such an early age and, um, the need for interaction with humans is never going to go away. And so I hope that we never cling to that idea of thinking that teaching and education can all go virtual because Mm. it can work, but it is not a sustainable model. Mm -mm. Um, It it worked while it needed to, but we quickly saw that was not the best for kids. Yeah. One is like you said, we miss that connection piece that in, in real life 
connection, you know, like, and it's, it's so important. And even, you know, as, as, even as the two of you were talking, I was thinking about just, you know, you have this perspective from a teacher and as a parent, and then here we've got kids that are coming up through this, you know, where we're, we're raising this generation and it's like, we are, you know, we have a lot more challenges. Every generation has its challenges and, you know, I firmly believe every generation's got its things, right? But so ours is how do we help our kids navigate this in the school environment, in the, in the outside environment and, and helping them? It, it's tough. I mean, it's really, it's like, Becca's, I mean, it's really, it's really challenging. And it makes me think too, like as parents, how can parents be more, um, because you even mentioned like we, we need to be unified and like I agree 100%. So how, how can we do that? Like as, as a teacher, um, and I know it's, you're not necessarily speaking for all teachers. We're general, we're generalizing this a lot as we talk about this today. And of course, some of you listening are listening in other countries and education looks completely different um, where you are, but how can, how can parents be a support to teachers? How can we join in on that? Um, where we're, I mean, it is that village mentality of we're all in this together type of thing with our kids. So I'm curious what are some things that would be really helpful that parents need to know or maybe need to be reminded of going into the school year in terms of being, you know, unified with their kids' teacher as much as possible? I mean, I know, you know, certain situations aren't perfect for that, depends on the teacher and all that, but as best we can, how can we help as parents? So one thing that I always try to um, say to my parents, um, as we're starting a new year, when we have like the family night and stuff like that is, uh, just remember that teachers are people too. And that sounds crazy to even say, but, uh, just stop and think before you get upset at a situation that maybe your child comes, comes home and they say such and such happened or whatever, before you fire off an email with strongly worded feelings, um, talk to, you know, somebody and maybe try to just kind of talk through things before you just get upset. And what I'm kind of thinking with that is like, if you, um, had your child come home and tell you something happened, maybe talk to your spouse or talk to a friend and just say, Hey, this happened. You know, I think I'm going to say this to the teacher. Does that sound okay? Um, before just firing something off and please, um, please, please, please give the teacher a chance to respond and to tell you the adult perspective of what happened before posting on Facebook. Um, because that has happened before where I imagine, (laughs) Oh my goodness. Where parents get upset because there's not been that communication yet. And then they just need an outlet. And so instead of talking to the spouse or to a friend or somebody that is trusted, that it would stay right there. Um, they just go and put it on Facebook. And then all of a sudden that teacher is being torn down the next day, there's a conversation and they're like, Oh, I was, I was wrong. It didn't actually happen the way my child said it happened, but it's all good now. We're good. But that teacher has just been, you know, drug through the mud for nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would say, just give the teacher the respect of a conversation. Remember that they have feelings and that the way that you say something through Um, a text or through email is going to probably sound different than how you would say it in person. So just make sure that, you know, what you're saying sounds kind. Um, And also be careful what you say in front of your kids, because whether or not you agree with how a teacher handled a situation or the way the school is handling a certain policy, 
that maybe that teacher can't even control and has no say so in, if you're talking about it in front of your kids, they're hearing that they're taking that in and you're their most respected adult in their life. And they're going to start, you know, kind of projecting that back out when they go to school. And, you know, I've luckily I've had really good families and parents to work with, and I haven't had too many issues of um, the parents talking disrespectfully, but I've seen it happen in other classes Mm -hmm. where I've even heard that, you know, a kid has said to their teacher, well, my mom said, I don't have to listen to you. And, you know, that is so discouraging and disheartening. And it's hard to overcome that when a parent is not on the same page or seemingly on the same page as their child's teacher. And so I always just tell parents, even if you disagree with me, even if you don't like the way I've handled something, or you don't like the way our school is doing something, try to be positive in front of your child and then vent to a friend or a family member that, you know, is not going to go spread it in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, do it in a safe space where you are able to talk through those things, but then it's not hurting the reputation of others. Yeah. You know, and I think that's part of, um, a, you know, we talk about the children being so wired and not being able to express their, uh, their emotions and their feelings because they spend so much time online. And I, you know, I think that that trickles down from the parents too. Um, we're not, we're not modeling healthy parenting because Mm -hmm. we're, we're calling out people on Facebook and we're, we're the angry, the angry mommy. Um, and so we have to, we have to remember that, that our, that Facebook and Instagram and all of that is an extension of ourselves and is an extension of our witness and how we interact with teachers is also an extension of our witness because your teacher might not be a Christian. And so how you handle conflict, yeah. um, you know, you come to them and, and you talk about, you know, what church you go to and you invite them to your church and then you bless them out in Jesus name. That's yeah. not, that's not <laughs> awesome. That's right. But, you know, so we've got to, we've got to learn to, to temper all of that um, with, with goodness. Um, And I mean, and I think, you know, it's, it's great to, as much as we can to bless teachers with school supplies and, uh, you know, listen, gift cards never hurt. She won't say it, but I will say it for her. I know gift cards never hurt. Yes, absolutely. And I've seen a lot of teachers have been posting since we're getting ready to go back to school. A lot of teachers have been posting like their Amazon wish lists on Facebook. And so even if you're somebody listening who doesn't have a child in school, if you see a teacher who posts something, listen, we're not going to be asking for things just to be asking for things. If it's on a list, that means somebody has some kind of need for it. And so that's a really easy way. I mean, you don't even have to get out of your bed and, you know, go to Walmart or anything. You can just press a button and it will send it directly to them through Amazon, which is amazing. And I love that. Um, So that's an easy way to help, even if you're not a parent and just kind of support those teachers too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. I mean, you and I have had a lot of conversations through the years about what mission looks like, but one of the things we always like to ask, you know, like people, cause that's what we talk about so much on the podcast is we know that teaching itself is a mission field and there are so many opportunities for serving and for, and for God just to work in the schools and, um, and in the school systems and all of that. What does mission look like for you when it comes to this? Like when you wake up in the morning you know, and you kind of, you kind of just said this a little bit in your last answer, but when you're waking up in the morning and you're, you're getting ready to go into your classroom, what does mission look like for you in that context? 
So for me, especially this past year, um, being at a new school, getting to know new people who don't know me from Adam, they don't know the type of teacher I am or, you know, what I'm walking into school with. Um, you know, it was, it was kind of like a, a blank slate of they are going to get whatever I give them. And that was really hard because this past year for me was absolutely hands down my hardest year of teaching ever. But knowing that how I respond to situations, how I respond to students, how I respond to administration, that can either do one of two things. It can either pull someone closer to God's love and knowing that there is something better to pursue than hatred and frustration and all of the angry feelings, or it can push them further away from that. And so, um, I don't think I said that very well, but hopefully you know what I meant. Mm -hmm. Um, but every day is a new start. And I had a student, um, this past year that I said that to him every single day, it doesn't matter what happened yesterday. Today is a new day. And I kind of had, had to have that same mental, reset every single morning as well. Doesn't matter what happened yesterday. It doesn't matter what he said or what that person did or what kind of new policy they're enforcing. What matters is how I respond. And is it going to be responding in love today? Um, and so every day is a fresh start. Yeah. And so thankful that we get a fresh start every day, you know, like, I mean, and, and that same goes, for, I mean, for anybody listening, no matter what career path you're in, I mean, you get a fresh start every day. Every day is a chance to see where God is working and, and how he's moving. It made me think of that, um, that song, um, his mercies are new every morning. So I'll wait with the sun, uh -huh. you know, like I just can't wait for this new day. So it will be a new day, you uh -huh. know, and I think so many kids probably feel like that too, is like, I just want to get that day behind me. It was such a bad day. I just, and for, for a teacher to get to be a part of that reset for them is, is such a privilege uh, to be able to speak that grace into their lives. Uh -huh. Well, I thought maybe what we would do um, as we end, just because, I mean, we've covered so much ground and I, I appreciate you, Ashton, just being able to just talk, talk us through, because I feel like, you know, we experience teaching, you know, as people who grew up and had teachers and of course now as parents, um, but, you know, to be able to sort of hear more of the ins and outs and more of, you know, how we can pray, you know, how, what are some of the challenges that teachers are facing? What are some of the things that we really need to just go, you know, into our, our war rooms of battle for, um, for our kids and the things that they're dealing with and the teachers and all of that. And so, um, Becca, what do you think about, would you mind maybe just doing like a prayer over this next school year coming up over teachers, um, and, and let's maybe be how that, how that wraps this time up. Cause I, I just think we've covered so much. I would love just to have this, this prayer of, of blessing over teachers and students coming up in, in the next year. Sure. Awesome. Thanks for the offer. Um, okay. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Holy God, we just know that you have put each teacher, uh, in every classroom for a purpose. And perhaps that purpose is to, to teach our children but perhaps that purpose is for our, our children and our families to be a light to those teachers too. And Lord, whatever, whatever the calling um, or however that calling started with each teacher, um, I just pray this year, I pray safety over our children and our teachers. Um, Lord, we know, you know um, 
all that's going on in our world with regard to that. And so I just pray your hedge of protection around each classroom, around each teacher, around each officer uh, within the school, that you would make school just the most safe environment that it can possibly be. And then, Lord, we ask that um, for those of us who are, are raising children in, in Christian homes, that our children would be a light for Jesus every day in their classrooms, and that our children would be a blessing to their teachers. And then, Lord, finally, for those teachers who are who are, who are facing, uh, and administrators too, who are facing a new year full of excitement, of learning, and of challenges, Lord, I ask for an extra measure of energy, an extra measure of patience, an extra measure of love for each student. Lord, for those students who are who are coming in from broken homes and from just abject poverty, Lord, because we know that they do, we ask that you would help those teachers to be that light for, for you. Help them to, um, to just interact with such compassion and love that um, they would be that child's greatest representation of Jesus on earth. And Lord, we, um, we ask that you would also um, be with the children and help them uh, to see their teachers as people who are who are worthy of love and respect, and that each classroom might have that mission statement, and that each child would treat others as Jesus would. And for those who don't even understand what that would be means, Lord, um, may they learn through the example of every teacher. Uh, Lord, that's just a lot to put out there right now and, and, and to pray for. And there's so many other things that we want to pray for. But Lord, also as parents, as churches, as community members, Lord, help us to be partners. Help us to be those who just pour into teachers and help us to um, together point these children uh, towards Jesus and help them to get the, the very best education that they can. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. That was beautiful. I love Give what you gooses. said. Yeah, I was, I was over here. Just amen, amen, amen. Like that, that, that's it so much. And you hit the nail on the head, Becca. Like Ashton, you guys are just our lights. I feel like in, 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 especially in such times of darkness for a lot of kids. And so, you know, thank a teacher, <laughs> you know, um, if you have friends and family members and all that who are teachers, you know, be sure to just keep encouraging them, keep, um, you know, this is, this is really tough work, what you guys are doing every single day. Um, it's not just the actual job that you're doing, but all the things that come along with it. And so, um, what a mission field it really is. So thank you for all that you do. And my, um, you know, I've said this before that, uh, every time that my girls get out of the car, um, on their way either for drop off for the person that's going to take them to school or drop off in the school line like as they're getting out you know I shout shine for Jesus and, you know that embarrassing mom thing but I think that also if um if every parent and every teacher said that to themselves every morning shine for Jesus wouldn't our, wouldn't our schools and classrooms be just uh, such an amazing place um yeah. From, from go just giving ourselves that grace to start over new every morning sh and shine for jesus yeah yes need that reminder <laughs> <laughs> well thank you fran so much for being on here and thank you guys for listening you know again this this is a great opportunity for those of you who are not you know in education or for those of you that are parents or grandparents to to you know come alongside these teachers be in this mission field with them and 
um, like I said, just um, thank, thank you for all that you do. You're an amazing teacher. I don't just say that because you're my friend and I'm a little biased because I am, but I know who you are as a teacher and you're amazing. So thank you so much. And thanks thank for joining you. us today. Thank you. All right, friends. Well, we will catch you um, on the next episode.